0: It says, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, speaking of wisdom, and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing, the, the main thing, the most important thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all of your getting, in everything that you go after and everything you pursue, get understanding. Exalt wisdom and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, crown of glory. She will deliver to you. Hear my son and receive my sayings and the years of your life will be many. Talking about wisdom. Take the teachings and the principles that God gives you, that you know are from him. And it will add years to your life. It says, I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction and do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it and do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. In all of your getting, get wisdom. Wisdom is more than just information. Now, everybody's got information, especially in our generation. There's so much trivia, so much stuff that you can get on the Internet. There's, everybody's full of information, probably information overload. But wisdom's more than information. Wisdom involves understanding. It's understanding the things that are important, and it involves having the skill and the ability to then apply those things in our lives on a day-to-day basis. And the things I've written down and the things I want to share with you today They're not things I do perfectly. Matter of fact, it amazes me how many times when I'm in the midst of a crisis, I forget all the things that I've learned, at least for a little while, and just go haywire. But God always brings me back to these things over and over again. Now, some of these things are not original with me. You'll recognize some of the sayings that you've heard elsewhere. They're just things that I've found to be very true and applied in my life. Some of these things are just things the Lord's taught me as I've been here, both personally and through many of you. Who are seated in this room today. One thing is. You love people. But you lean on God. There is a difference. You love people. Love people with all your heart. Love people. If God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. Then people are worth loving. It doesn't matter. One of the great things. About being a pastor. Is that. At least the way I see it. I guess people do it in different ways. But the way I see it you kind of need to get to know everybody. And in the process of getting to know everybody, I find out that, that and I've told many, many times, my personality is kind of basically shy uh, outside of stepping into the rim of the anointing of the pulpit. If I don't really know somebody, it's hard for me to really strike up a conversation. I'm not one of these people who've never met a stranger. That's just not who I am. It's not my personality. But in the role of pastor, you kind of have to get to know people. You have to get to have an understanding of people. And one of the great blessings in my life is that I've gotten to know a lot of people that in the natural realm, my personality, we would have never had an opportunity to get to know each other because I would have never probably struck up a conversation with you. You might not have ever struck up a conversation with me. There might have been all kinds of personality differences and things like that. But I've gotten to know, and not only to know, but to love and appreciate all kinds of people in my life. And I've learned to love people. But I've also learned this. You lean on God. Because the arm of flesh will fail you. And that doesn't mean that people don't love you. It just means we're all human. And it doesn't matter how much we love somebody we're going to eventually not be able to carry through. I won't always be able to fulfill whatever your desire is and you will not always be able to fulfill what I need, but I'm going to tell you something I found out. God always meets the need. So we love people, but we lean on God. The problem is if we lean on people all the time, it's real easy to stop loving them because the minute that they fail and the minute that they disappoint, it's easy to to emotionally hold back that love. But you love people Just remember, you lean on God. That's one thing that the Holy Spirit, I believe, has taught me. Now, sometimes I forget, but I believe that's what is an important principle in my life. Number two in in relation to that is treat everybody with respect that you want to be treated with. Now, that's kind of a rendition of the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Treat other people with the same respect you want to be treated with. You know we have a tendency to think highly of ourselves and be overly critical of others. We can sin and have bad attitudes and and goof up, and yet we can always make an excuse for ourselves. Well, yeah, but I didn't feel good. Well, yeah, but I, I, you don't know what kind of day, what kind of week, what kind of month I've had. Well, yeah, but but you don't know what's going on in my life. So we can be very dismissive of our own issues while being very highly critical of someone else who's done or acted in the exact same way. So if we could just treat everybody with the exact same respect and compassion that we want to be treated with, if somebody comes in and you meet them at church or you meet them at a church event, uh, whether it's the picnic today or something else, if somebody pushes in front of you in line today because they just want to get to the chicken before you, see, that's what you think. They want the chicken before you. There There may be another explanation. But the bottom line is, if there's something that irritates you about somebody, give them the benefit of the doubt just the way you would want them to give you the benefit of the doubt if you did or said something that didn't strike them correctly. Treat each other with the same kind of respect you want to be treated with. If you actually see somebody or hear somebody in this congregation and, or anywhere else, do or say something that you already know is wrong, you don't have to call it right, but you do have to ask yourself what you're going to do next. Because how would you want to be treated if those same people saw you or heard you do and say something that they knew was wrong? Is the next step to go gossip to someone else about what you saw and heard? Is the next step to get some bitterness or unforgiveness or judgmentalism in your heart towards them? Or is the next step to pray for them? Encourage them and lift them up before the throne of God. Treat other people with the same respect that you would want to be treated with because I promise you, the Bible says the same way you judge, it will come back to you. So however you give out, is what's eventually going to come back. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be next month, it may not be next year, but eventually, whatever you give out is coming back. So make sure you're sowing the right seeds. These next two go together. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I have to remind myself of that all the time. Don't be afraid. It may strike you as strange, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, but I'm not some big, bad, macho guy, and I do get afraid sometimes. Almost everything I've ever done in ministry has been something that I had never done before I did it and didn't know anything about doing when I started doing it. I don't know why God did it that way. That just—I Well, I do too. I think it's because I always know that it's Him and not me, and so does everybody else. But at the end of the day, you have to do things sometimes that you're afraid of. So don't be afraid, but understand sometimes you're going to feel that fear, and when you have fear, do what? What is right anyway. Do what God's called you to do anyway. Fear is not necessarily a reason to abdicate from doing what God's called you to do. If God said do it, do it no matter what the feeling or emotion is that you're dealing with. You will give an account to God. All of us will give an account to God. So live with that in mind and make decisions that you can live with. Ultimately, I'm going to stand before God, and so are you. Ultimately, I'm going to give an account. The Bible says every idle word that we've spoken, we'll give an account for. Every careless word. So one day, I'm going to stand before God. One day, you're going to stand before God, and I'm going to give an account to Him for what I've done. Now, I don't want to hurt or offend anybody. That's just not really my nature to hurt or offend people. Some people know me through the years and they've seen me go through some challenges or confrontations. They think, well, he must like confrontation. Truth is, if you know me and you've been real close to me in a confrontation, you'll know I'm shaking. My voice will crack because I hate them. I hate confrontation. I just know sometimes you have to have it. When I get out of it, if it doesn't go well, what you don't know is many times by the time I get home, I'm in tears. But I still have to have it sometimes because the role that I'm in requires it. Sometimes in life you have to do that as well. Sometimes you have to do things afraid. But at the end of the day, I'm going to give an account before God. Just like you are. So whatever I say and whatever I do, I need to be comfortable with the fact that I've made a decision. And I've said or done something that I'm comfortable with standing before God and giving an account to Him for. And if you're not comfortable with standing before God and giving an account to Him for what you're saying or doing, don't do it. Until you know that God said do it. Because one day we'll all stand and give an account before God. I've also, I hope, learned not to take myself too seriously. I'm going to mess up and so are you. I don't care what God's called you to do. Some of you aren't even involved in ministries that you know God's called you to be involved in because you're afraid you're going to make a mistake. You are. You're going to fall flat on your face a few times. I've fallen flat on my face more times than I can count. See, I almost messed up the word right there. I've literally almost fallen flat on my face. I kicked a wise man off the stage one Christmas. I've done all kinds of things. Sometimes I forget the words in the middle of a song. Sometimes I get out of tune when I'm singing. Sometimes I write down the wrong scripture verse and I go to the wrong verse. And those are just small mistakes. The bottom line is, don't take yourself too seriously because God can use anybody. He's used rebellious kings. He used a donkey to get a message across to Balaam. He can use anybody. So don't take yourself too seriously. Learn to laugh at yourself. If you know and understand, this is something my pastor taught me years ago. If you know and understand the authority that you have in Christ, you never have to prove it. The only people who go around trying to push their way into things, proving their authority, are people who aren't completely secure in their authority. Now, I'm not perfect on that sometimes. Please understand that. I've messed up in that respect, but it's true. The only times I've messed up is when I've been trying to prove who I am, what, what what my role is. If you know and understand the authority that you have in Christ, you don't have to prove it. My pastor also taught me this, and I found this to be absolutely true every single time. There are three sides to every story, not two, three yours, theirs, and the truth. And the truth is always somewhere in the middle. Because you're always going to frame an argument or frame a discussion. That favors you. You're not going to get it completely right. The other person is going to always frame an argument or a discussion in a way that favors them. They're going to remember it differently than you do. You're going to remember it differently than they do. You're going to think you're absolutely right. They're going to think they're absolutely right. The truth is neither one of you are absolutely right. Somewhere in the middle is the truth. So look for the truth. Pray regularly for God's blessings. For people you know. By name. I have a prayer list at home. For one thing, because that's the kind of way my brain works. I, I do things by list. Everything i got list everywhere. So when I pray, I pray over a prayer list. Every one of your names are on that prayer list. Not only your names, but names of people who have been here and gone different places. I haven't even counted how many names are on the prayer list. But I try at least three to four times a week <clears throat> to pray through every name. On that prayer list. Because God dealt with me one time about how important it is. You, It's very hard not to love people that you pray for by name. So pray, number one. You, you cannot walk in the power of God without prayer. You have to be a person of prayer. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've known God. If you are not praying, you are in trouble. Period. You are not the exception to the rule. If you're not praying, you're in trouble. So be a person of prayer and then pray for the people that God has brought into your life by name on a regular basis because they need it. It blesses me every time somebody says, man, I've had you on my mind. I've been praying for you this week. Every once in a while, a pastor friend will call me from somewhere out of state and say, man, I don't know what's going on, but I'm praying for you. That does things for me that you can't even begin to imagine to know that God put me on. On their mind, in all of their busyness, to pray specifically for me. That makes a huge difference to me because I know God knows what's going on in my life. He cares about what's going on in my life. So pray regularly for people. You may be the only one that day that's praying for them and prayer changes things. So pray for people. It's worth it. Another thing I've learned is to forgive other people and forgive them quick. The longer you hold on to a grudge and an offense, the worse it hurts you. It doesn't hurt them as much as it does you. A lot of times somebody that you're mad at don't even know you're mad at them. They have no idea they did anything. They never intended to do or say anything. You just thought they intended to do and say something. They're going on about their merry way, doing their own thing. Everything's right with the world. And it's making you miserable every day of your life because you're holding unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment against them. Forgive people quickly because the person that's set free the most when you forgive is you. Forgive quickly. My pastor told me years ago that unforgiveness in your heart as a man or woman of God will absolutely hinder your ministry more than anything else. So you cannot afford to hold on to unforgiveness. You've got to let it go and you've got to let it go as fast as you possibly can. I have a prayer that I pray regularly over people even if I think they might possibly be offended at me or I might have possibly offended them even if I'm not sure I pray this same prayer by name over them God I forgive I release and I bless and I pray that over each one of them by name and I keep doing it until the next time I see them at Walmart or wherever I really feel okay with it if I I think I've got it over and done with and I see them at Walmart and I'm still mad at them then I know I need to increase that prayer again. But eventually, God's going to bring them back into your life. I promise you, God's good at that. He'll bring people into your life once you start praying that prayer that you hadn't seen in six years. And all of a sudden, you're going to run smack dab right in the middle of them at Walmart, and you're going to be faced with, what do I do now? And if you can look at that person and start having a conversation and feel like everything's all right, guess what? God's brought victory in that situation of your life. If not, then start praying again. Forgive people quickly. I've said this before. It's something I've learned. Consistency and faithfulness is what pays off in the end. I don't get impressed like I used to. I don't anymore. I don't get impressed with a lot of flash. I'm not against flash. I'm not against emotion. I'm not against any of those things because God can use that, but I'm not impressed by it. Because what pays off in the end and what makes a difference in the end is faithfulness and consistency. I would rather see the person who just shows up all the time with love in their heart and a smile on their face. Loving people, caring for people, and doing what God told them to do regardless of whether they shout, jump, dance, or sing. Now, I'm not against shouting, jumping, dancing, and singing. Please don't misunderstand me. I've done it, love to see it, would love to do some more of it. But at the end of the day, it's consistency and faithfulness that pays off. My pastor used to say it this way. I don't care how high you jump or how much you dance. All I want to know is do you walk straight when your feet hit the ground? That's what matters. So walk with consistency. Another thing going along with that is integrity matters. If you lose your integrity, what have you got left? Integrity matters. You cannot afford to compromise. Do the right thing the right way for the right reason. Because, see, you can do the right thing for the wrong reason in the wrong way. You can have the right reason, but have, do the wrong thing. So do the right thing the right way. For the right reason. And it's all for the glory of God. If you don't have time to do it right. Here's the question. When will you have time to fix it? A lot of times we mess up because we're in a hurry. A lot of times we just throw half of ourselves. We haphazardly give ourselves to what we're doing. Because we're in a hurry. Problem is when we do that we don't do it well. And then we or someone else has to come back and fix that. So if you don't have time to do it right the first time. Then when are you going to have time to fix it? If there's a problem. Avoiding that problem will not make it go away. I've learned that by hard, terrible experience. If there's a problem, I know sometimes we'd love to avoid it. But avoiding it won't make the problem go away. You've got to deal with the problem as quickly as you can, but make sure you do it in the right spirit. Admit your faults and your failures. And when you need to, apologize. Guys, I make mistakes. If you've been here long enough, you've seen some of them. I'll never forget one day when me and Tammy were out doing some, some yard work. If you've been here long enough, you've heard this story before. We were still living in the parsonage. The ground was hard. It hadn't rained in a while. And we were trying to dig a trench where she wanted to put some, some type of edging around the, the bushes and, 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 and whatever they are. I don't do that. I'm not a gardener obviously I'm not a gardener because I didn't know how to do the hedging and, and it was so I I was we decided we would take the water hose and make it muddy so that I could then really get in and dig it out but that wasn't helping either so I all I didn't have the right tools either cuz I don't I have more tools now than I had then but little by little I'm building a tool collection but I didn't have hardly anything then and so I found an old rusty rusted pickaxe of some sort in one of the buildings here on the property and I went out and started trying to dig that trench but I didn't realize we had just made the ground muddy. So when I was digging the trench, it was splattering mud back at me. And, and, I, was dig- and I was getting madder and madder and madder. It, I didn't want to be doing this on my Saturday. I didn't like the stupid hedges to begin with. I don't know why she has to have hedges. I don't understand it. And why are we doing this when the ground is so hard anyway? Why couldn't we hire somebody to do this? I don't know why. And I start slinging that pickaxe and mud's flying everywhere. And about that moment, I hear a honk of a horn. And up on the highway is one of our church members waving at us. And immediately I thought this might be my last weekend. It's a short-lived pastorate. I'd only been here about a year. Then saw a pastor losing his temper. Yeah, I made a mistake. So I got up I learned another lesson that day. Be the first to tell people about your mistakes. Don't let somebody else do it for you. Be transparent. So the very next morning I got up in the pulpit and just told the whole story. So that everybody would know. I didn't want anybody else to tell the story for me. Admit it. Everybody else knows you, makes mis- you, everybody knows you make mistakes, and they do too. So admit your faults and your failures and apologize as quickly as you can. I've also learned this. You can do the right thing, but do it in the wrong spirit, and it won't have the right result. There's been many times over 27 years that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I did the right thing. But I also know beyond a doubt, looking back at it, I did it with the wrong spirit. And it didn't have the right results. So it's not just about doing the right thing. It's about doing the right thing in the right spirit if you want the right results. Sister Hazel, who used to come to church a few years ago, this was one of her famous phrases. It was true then, it's true now. If you're too busy for God, you're just too busy. If you're too busy for God, you're too busy. Let something go. I ain't got nothing I can let go. Yeah, you do. You're not God. You're not making the world work. You may think you are, but you're not. Let something go and take time with God. I promise you it's more important. Not only do we need to take time with God, but we need to take time with people. When I came into the pastorate, it was in the throes, the heydays of the Word of Faith and charismatic movement. And at that time, pastors would tell you, man, prayer is so important. And prayer is important. You don't need anybody to mess up the anointing that's on you. So when you're getting ready to preach, make sure you go off in a room. And for an hour and a half, just don't talk to anybody. Don't see anybody. Just come out on the pulpit charged up in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Because you don't want anybody disrupting the anointing. I tried to do that for a while. Then I realized I didn't really know anybody. And I realized if I'm a pastor, I'm probably here to love the people. And it's really hard to love people that you don't know. And if you're so spiritual that somebody saying hi can get you out of the anointing, then I don't know if I'm so sure about how spiritual you are. Because when we leave the prayer room, you're going to walk into the world and everybody out there in the world is not concerned about your anointing. So we're going to have to be able to walk in the anointing no matter who we see or where we are. So we need to take time with people because, and you've heard this before, people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that is absolutely true. And so we need to learn that lesson. All people are precious to God, all ages, all stages. So we need to value and appreciate the people God's put in our life. I am not just, I've learned, I'm not just a pastor to the senior adults. I'm a pastor to the infants. And I'm not just a pastor to the infants, I'm a pastor to the preteens. I'm not just a pastor to the preteens, I'm a pastor to the college age. I'm not just a pastor to the college age, I'm a pastor to the teenagers. I'm not just a pastor to the teenagers, I'm a pastor to the young adults. Because a church is more than one group. And it's more than one age range. A church is a group of people from infant all the way up until we're ready to go on and be with the Lord and everything in between. And we need to realize all people are precious. Therefore, if you are young at heart, meaning that you are In your senior years, you cannot look at those who are young, those who are teenagers, those who are millennials, those who, and say, wow, goodness, their world's going to pot. I don't have any respect for them. God can't use them. Oh, yes, He can, because remember, at one point you were that teenager, at one point you were that college age person, and at one point the generation that was your age was saying the same thing about you. At the same time, if you are a teenager and you are a millennial and you're looking at those who are in their senior years and you're saying, well, I don't have any time for them. There's nothing they have to say that I need to hear because they're just stuck in their ways and they don't have any good wisdom to share. You are 100% wrong. They have all kinds of wisdom to share and you would be well served to sit down and listen to some of the wisdom that they share. You don't have to adopt every bit of it or believe every bit of it, but there's a lot of things you can learn from those who have already gone through the stages of life that you're going through right now. So all people are precious to God. And listen, on that respect, all ministries are important. There is no big and small with God. And in saying that, you need to understand that means not just your ministry, that means everybody else's too. And everybody can't do the same ministries. If we did, we'd be negating one another and one of us would be irrelevant, saying God didn't make us that way. So everybody's not going to be passionate about the same things. That don't mean they're ungodly or unspiritual. It just means you are passionate about what you're passionate about because God burned that fire in your heart so that then you could get other people motivated to pray or to give or to go or to do. Now, they're never going to be as passionate about it as you are because that's that gift and that calling that you have. So don't expect them to be and don't judge them because they're not. You go on and do what God's called you to do with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You let them do what God's called them to do with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. You pray for them. You encourage them. You support them. Let them pray for you, encourage you, and support you because we can't do it all and all of the ministries are important. Do we need warfare and prayer and intercession? Yes, but we also need praise. Do we need praise? Yes. But we also need the word. Do we need the word? Yes. But we also need evangelism. Do we need evangelism? Yes. But we also need missions. Do we need missions? Yes. But we also need fellowship. Do we need fellowship? We, see, you understand where I'm going? We need all of it. And everybody can't do all of it. So don't judge the people who don't have the same passion you do. Just do what God's called you to do. It takes all of us. And this is really important to me. If you lose your integrity. If you lose your family. Your marriage. Your health. Your faith. Then what do you have left? And I say that because you can get so caught up even in ministry sometimes. That you forget what you started doing it for. And things that are vital and important begin to slip into the background. Make sure that you don't major on the minors, but you major on the majors. Make sure that you keep the things that are the main things the main things. The Bible says, Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. I've learned this about myself. I can't do everything because I'm not God. You can't do everything because you're not God. So you your calling Find what God has called you to do. Do it and let somebody else do the rest. Learn to say no then when you need to. You can't say yes to everything. Learn to say no when you need to. Read a lot. I'm not a reader. Then listen a lot. But you got to be fed somewhere. Well, I get fed when I come to church once a week, twice a week. That's not enough. You've got to be fed somewhere. So I don't care if you're a reader or not. There are no excuses. You can find a way. Get a podcast. Listen to something. But make sure you're in the Word. Make sure you read. You're only going to grow if you're, if you're going to a place that you can, you can expand what God's taught you. And, and so make sure you read a lot. Celebrate every victory, even the small ones. Make sure you celebrate every one, no matter how big they are or how small they are. You, this is important. This will help you understand the way I think. Maybe you won't judge me. Lord showed me this a long time ago. I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Some people are going to come in here and you're going to think I'm all that in a bag of chips. They're going to come in here and they're going to think, I don't know why you're going to that church. That's okay. This church is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And that's okay. We're not the only church around. That don't mean there's anything wrong with you or us or them. It's okay. This church, this ministry, it's not for everybody, or we'd be the only church in town. So love everybody. Everybody who comes our way. If you're a member of this church, some people may be here for 20 years. Some people may be here for two months. Love everybody God sends our way. And when people leave, be gracious. Because everybody's not going to stay forever. And there have been times when I've been gracious. There's been times when I haven't. Because to be real honest with you, it hurts. You get to know somebody, you get to love somebody. It's like a part of your family is cut away. But that said, God sometimes brings people in for a season, and then He moves them out. So learn to be gracious. That's what God's trying to teach me to do, and that's what we need to do. Is this okay? This is a little different, I know. Anybody who will talk about somebody else to you, I taught my oh, I've tried to teach my kids this. Anybody who will talk about somebody else to you will immediately turn around and talk about you to somebody else. I don't care who they are. If they will talk about somebody else to you outside of their presence, they will, they will, they absolutely will talk about you to somebody else. Just be aware of it. So whatever you say, make sure you're okay with it being repeated because I promise you it is about to be repeated. So if you're not okay with it being repeated, don't say it. Because that's just a fact. If anybody will talk to you about somebody else, they'll talk to somebody else about you. This is important, especially in a charismatic church. Please hear me. No one is plagiarized more than God. You know what plagiarism is? It's claiming that what somebody else wrote is something that you came up with yourself. God is plagiarized all the time. God told me this. I heard the Lord saying this. I believe God said that. Thus saith the Lord. Why would you do that? Because God told me to. God gets blamed for all kinds of stuff. Now, I, I believe God still speaks. I really do. I believe God still speaks. I believe we should expect Him to do that. <clears throat> that said, please don't blame God for your own foolishness. Please don't blame God for your own hang-ups. And please don't claim that God told you to do something that He already said in the Bible not to do. Because He is never going to go against His word. That's what makes us really look foolish to the world out there is when we're going around all the time saying God told me this, God told me that and then what it is that God told us is just foolishness. So don't plagiarize God. Make sure that it lines up with the Word of God and then remember this, guys, no matter what we're doing. Ultimately, it's all about Jesus anyway. It's all about Jesus. I got just a few more. We're going to close but this is important for all of us in this room. I, I, nothing thrills me more, and the Holy Spirit does a lot of ministry right here at this altar, every service. I believe he does far more than we realize he does. I think things happen out in the chairs that we don't even know about until weeks and weeks and months and months later because everybody doesn't just share, hey, this happened to me this week or this happened. Always blesses me when I do hear somebody say, hey, this is, you didn't know it, but God spoke this to me, or you didn't know it, but God did that. That's always an encouragement, but we don't always know. But I'm thankful for everything God does at the altars and in the church building. But most of ministry takes place outside of these walls, and it's supposed to. If all the ministry that we're doing is in here, we are failing miserably. If we're not taking this gospel out there, if we're not taking healing out there, if we're not taking joy out there, if we're not taking the gifts of the Holy Spirit out there where people so desperately need to know Jesus, if all the ministry takes place in here, we're not doing what God told us to do. He said, go out there and proclaim this gospel. Most ministry takes place outside of the walls of this church. And guys, this isn't just for pastors. This is important for all of us. Learn to take both praise and criticism the right way. Don't blow up and don't get blown up. Both of those are fatal mistakes. Well, not fatal, but they're bad mistakes. Learn to take both praise and criticism the right way. I've stood outside the doors of that, in that vestibule. And I've had people come by and say all kinds of gracious things to me. Very, very precious things that bless my heart. Occasionally, occasionally, I'll have somebody say something not so gracious. (laughs) That doesn't bless my heart at all. Matter of fact, that's all I'll think about. 23 people will have said how great the service was. One person will say, Hmm, did you not sleep well last night? Seemed like you were pretty scattered today. What in the world were you thinking about? I couldn't understand a thing you were saying. Has anybody ever said that? Somebody has said those very exact (laughs) words to me right there. Now, it's rare, but it happens. Worse than that is what I sometimes hear come around. Because sometimes that can be a little more vicious. But I've learned something. Praise and criticism can both be your friends if you treat them right. First of all, look for the truth in it. Try to evaluate it. Because sometimes praise is nothing more than somebody trying to just get you to, you know, like them a little bit because they've got a hidden agenda. So that's not always sincere. So don't get blown up by it. But at the same time, sometimes criticism is totally invalid too. It's not, there's no truth to it. So don't blow up at it. Sometimes criticism is helpful because sometimes it's the truth. Sometimes a sermon just really stunk. I had been up too late the night before, didn't sleep well, and my thoughts were, I, I could tell you, hmm, you saw it too. Yeah, I couldn't string one thought together today. So learn. Evaluate what's said. Don't blow up. Don't get angry. Don't get bitter at criticism. But don't get blown up by praise. Just make sure you respond the right way. I don't think I'm going to close with this. Well, no, this and then one more. Wouldn't be me if I didn't, right? We all put our pants on one leg at a time. Of course, that phrase is not original with me. But you need to learn to be comfortable in your own skin. See, I love it when Steve laughs and tells stories because that's who Steve is. I love it when some of you just real quietly come up and will say something to me just in passing. And I know that it was even hard for you to say what you said because I know that's who you are, but you said it anyway. And just be comfortable in your own skin because God uses all of us. I'm not what every, you know, some preachers, <laughs> Catfish is happy today because he's been wanting me to get out of that suit for a long time. He's You're thrilled today. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely more comfortable. But I didn't want to go a picnic with a suit on, so I thought I'd just wear this. But nowadays, most of the hip preachers dress like this all the time, see. So, and that's fine. I may do that, but... So sometimes when I wear a suit and tie, I'm kind of like, hmm, I don't know. I gotta, may have to quit doing that because, you know, the hip preachers, they don't do that. Well, I shouldn't stop wearing a suit and tie just because the hip preachers don't. At the same time, if I feel like I want to dress like this and that's who I am, then it ain't going to change the anointing or who I am. The main thing is to just be comfortable in your own skin. Be who you are. Be who God called you to be because we all put our pants on one leg at a time. So you know what? There's people who have huge ministries, and I respect them. But I'm me. I'm going to be me. Because you know what? If I'm trying to be anybody else, then it's deceptive. And it's wrong. If you're trying to be anybody else, to get anybody else's favor, it's actually deceptive. It's wrong. Be comfortable in your own skin. Because you know what I found out about things? Whatever we do as a church to get people here, We're going to have to do that much and ten times more to keep them after we get them. So you better be really comfortable with what you're doing because if you're not doing something that's comfortable with who you are, get ready. You're going to have to keep doing it or the same people that came in for what you were doing are going to leave within three weeks when you start settling back into who you are. So be who you are. Be comfortable in your own skin. Everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. And finally, guys, don't give up on anybody because God's not going to give up on them. Don't give up on anybody. I don't care what they've done, what they've said, what they haven't done. I don't care how it looks today. Don't give up on them. Because God's not, did God give up on us? No. He's not going to give up on them. Don't judge somebody just because of the season that they're in. Because all you're doing is judging a snapshot in time. It won't stay that way. I've seen, I've said this before, I've learned this over time. I've seen people that if you took one snapshot of their life and you judged them by that moment, man, they are tearing up Jack. It looks like they're going to be the greatest person in the kingdom of God since Billy Graham at that moment. Five, ten years later, they're not on the spiritual map anymore. And that's that's horrible, it's tragic. We need to pray for them. I've seen other people that literally, I've, I, literally. you will think at that season, they'll be lucky if they're not in prison in two years. Oh, my goodness. These people are so messed up. They'll never be able to do anything. Only to four or five years be looking like the next Billy Graham because God has so touched their lives and changed their lives. Never judge people by a snapshot in time because, listen, you're going to cut yourself off from some wonderful people who God's going to use in some wonderful ways and never, or you're going to get yourself connected to some people who look real good right now that are just a flash in the pan and three years from now you're going to try to figure out how to get unconnected because you're judging incorrectly. Never judge people in a season, make sure you watch things over time. Don't give up on people because God doesn't give up on people. And to give you a scriptural reason for that as we close, Jesus said, you remember there was a time when they went out and the disciples caught a big load of fish in the net. And when they brought the net on shore, it was full of all kinds of good fish, but it also had a lot of bad fish in it. And Jesus tells a parable about that drag net. He also told a parable about a guy who went out and sold, sowed a, feed of wheat, a field of wheat. And while he was sleeping at night, an enemy came in and sowed weeds where the wheat was. And so both, in both cases, the disciples said, you know, should we go and remove the bad fish out of the net or should we go and, 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 and get rid of the tares where the wheat's at? And Jesus said, no, let them grow together at the end of the age. The angels will come and they'll separate the bad from the good. Because he said, if you start trying to do it and you're in perfect knowledge, you'll wind up destroying some of the wheat along with the tares. I mean, your motive's right. You're trying to do the right thing, get the tares out, but you're not smart enough to know which is which. And you may judge incorrectly. And while you're in the process of doing that, you may wind up destroying some really fine wheat. So he said, leave this thing to God. Because at the end of the day, God's going to take care of it. You can trust him. So it's very important for us, don't judge people by one snapshot of a time and don't give up on people because God doesn't. Just love them. Don't compromise. Sometimes you have to take a stand. Love has to be tough sometimes. But love them. And let God do the rest. How many of you think God's able to do it? Those are just a few of the things, and I believe it's wisdom that God gave me, not because I'm sharing it, but because God gave it to me. I don't think they apply just to pastors. I think it applies to all of us. I think those are life lessons. I'm glad I learned them. And the reason I wanted to share them today is because whether you realize it or not, you've all helped me learn them. I would not be, and Tammy would not be, our family would not be where we are today without this church family. We've had good times and we've had bad times and everything in between. We've had laughter and we've had tears. But God's been faithful through it all. He's brought you all here and He's left me here to be here with you all. And we're family. We're not going to agree with everybody, each other all the time. We're just not. Do you agree with your family all the time? <laughs> Do you agree with yourself all the time? So there will be times we disagree. There will be times that we don't understand each other. You won't understand me all the time. I won't understand you all the time. But you know what? If we'll stay committed to God and stay committed to one another, I believe there's absolutely nothing that God can't do. He's done an awful lot. And everything that's ever been good, God did it. Wasn't me, wasn't you. It was God. And He's still got a lot up His sleeve. There's a lot that God desires to do in our day And in our time. So I encourage you guys to trust Him. I want to ask one last thing before we close in prayer. All of you who are currently or actively involved in any type of ministry whatsoever. If it's behind the scenes, in front of the scenes. You're doing anything for the church. Or you ever have through the 27 years that I've been here. Would you please stand? If you're doing anything in front of the scenes, behind the scenes right now, or you ever have during the 27 years I've been here, would you? that means you've been on the praise team, you've done something with the Internet, you're a greeter, you've done anything that you've done, if you have helped in any way in this church over the last 27 years, I want you to understand something. And there's a lot more that aren't here today that could be. Church, those of you who, who have benefited from the ministries here, I want you to understand something. It's not just what happens up here. It's what happens out there. You can be seated. I want to thank you, all of you, for all that you've done because I'm going to tell you something. There is absolutely no way ministry could go on effectively without all of us doing this together. We need one another. God put us together for a reason. Please don't ever give up on each other. Please make sure that you love one another. Stay committed to God. Stay committed to one another. I'm not ready to throw in the towel, not on our nation. I'm not ready to throw in the towel on the Church of America. I'm not ready to throw in the towel on anything because I believe that God's got a plan, and I believe it's always good. So I encourage you to seek God, seek what He's going to do in your day, and trust Him where you want to Can we stand together today? Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. God, in this room today, there are people who have known you for decades. And Lord, they've seen you show yourself faithful again and again and again. And there are people in this room who have known you for a short time. They're just learning your ways and they're seeing you prove yourself faithful to them now. God, I just thank you in Jesus' name that you are the faithful God. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, and you never change. God, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would speak. We thank you other nations are praying for us. We thank you, God, that you are moving on the hearts of your people everywhere to pray for a move of God right here. So, God, as your people called by your name in this place, we ask you... God revive our hearts. Begin with us. Begin today. Begin here. Father God I pray that you would help us to be committed to you first of all. Committed to your desire for our hearts. Committed God to all of your plans and purposes in our lives. And Lord I pray that we would stay absolutely devoted and committed to one another. Father God that we would love one another in thick and thin. Father God that we would forgive one another quickly. Father God that we would be committed to the purpose that you placed on our life and whatever gifts you put in our lives. God that we would sow those gifts into the lives of the people that you've surrounded us with with grace and Lord with love and with compassion without looking for anything in return. Father God, I pray that we would be a people, Father God, who walk in your ways and walk in your paths. Lord, I pray that if in any of our hearts today there's anything that doesn't look or sound like that, even now I pray that you would reveal those things to us, that you would speak into our hearts and lives, you would transform and change us today. And Lord, we thank you that you're always with us in Jesus' name. As you standing with your eyes closed if there's anybody in this room that you just don't know what it feels like to have family in God we've talked a lot about family today that's what this is it's important to belong to family but it's even more important to belong to God because that's where family begins and if you don't know Jesus if he's not real in your life if you've never allowed him to take over That's where everything that's worthwhile starts. And if you need to give your heart to Jesus or you need to make things right with God, I don't want to ever close a service without giving anybody in this room who needs to an opportunity to do that. Is there anybody like that this morning before we close? Then I'm going to ask this. Across this room, if you know there's anybody in this room that you don't know as well as you should, that you're not connected to the way that you want to be. Maybe you were more connected to them before. Maybe something come between you. Maybe there's for forgiveness that needs to be issued. Maybe you've judged them because of a season in their life, a moment. You've taken a snapshot and you made a forever judgment. I challenge you. Let those things go. Just here in this moment in the presence of God, let those things go. If God's brought you here, then God brought you here for a reason. And He knew everybody who would be in this room. He knows the ones that you love and can't wait to get close to. And He knows the ones that kind of rub you the wrong way. And He knew they'd be here. And He sent you here. And you need all of them. And I challenge you in the name of Jesus, if you need to issue forgiveness, if you need to let some things go, if you need to make a choice to love, if you need to put it on your agenda just to get to know somebody, go have a cup of coffee. Or whatever it is. I challenge you. That can be a spiritual thing when it's obedience to God. Do that. I'm going to pray over you. We're going to pray over the food. And we're going to dismiss. And I suppose we'll go to the, to the picnic from there. Father, in the name of Jesus, for those who need to forgive. For those who need to let people go. For those who need that you've been dealing with to get to know somebody. To get closer to somebody they've never really talked to much. Lord God, I just pray that you would give them the courage to do just that. I pray that, Father God, you would help them to be able to forgive and let go of offenses and hurts. Father God, I just pray across this room, Father, that you would bind us together closely as a family of believers, even closer than we've ever been before. Father, in this season that we're entering into, this time in our nation, I pray that we would be closer to one another than we've ever been. Holy Spirit, bring us together in that perfect bond of peace. And Father God, we just thank you for blessing the food we're about to receive here in a moment. I thank you, God, for the fellowship we're going to have with one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all so much. We appreciate you so much. Picnic, yes.